Listeners, remember when everyone was doing juice cleanses and was basically hangry all the time? Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to lose weight. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Rose partners handle all the insurance paperwork to help get medication covered. If eligible for medication, patients have access to their provider on demand for any questions. You can sign up online from the comfort of your own home. This means no scheduling a doctor's appointment, no commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to Roe co slash clink sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that medication costs are separate that's ro.co slash clink hi and welcome to housewives of true crime welcome welcome i am tabitha Give me Dateline, white wine, and I'll pick up your kids in the carpool line. The next day, right? Yeah, the next day. Okay. And I am Gretchen. I like white wine, true crime, and in bed by nine because I have a lot of stuff to do in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) We are housewives of true crime. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Welcome. Welcome. Housewives of True Crime. Yes. Christmas time. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. All of it. All of it. Anything else you celebrate happy, merry, and bright for all of it. That's right. We're here to spread holiday cheer. Not really. Clink, clink to that. Clink, clink. (laughs) So many cheerful things going on in my world, like... I was really looking forward to the boat parade of lights. Oh, yeah. I mean, how much more socially distanced could you be than on a boat? Like you're in a bubble. They canceled it. That is balls to the walls. I know. And the cherry on the Sunday was they canceled my they canceled my trip to Kauai. Oh, my goodness. The only island that they cancel is the one that you're going to go to, Gretchy? Yeah. So I called Tab and I'm like, oh, my God cancel your plans because she's going to Hawaii over Christmas break too. And she's like, calls me back like, sorry, Charlie, just your dumb island is canceled. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're still going. I mean, what are the chances? It's kind of actually really, it just kind of makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) It just does. And please don't take this that seriously. I'm not completely tone deaf. I realize a lot of people are having a real worse off year than me. I'm just lamenting. She's just a couple of bummers this week. That's right. You have a little pity party going on yourself. I sure do. Yesterday I got an email at 530 stating that my one of the three schools that my kids go to is canceled for the rest of the year of 2020, and they will all be going remote starting immediately. Welcome to the homeschool club. What's up? I think I moved my ass to Texas to get out of that club. (laughs) Yeah, I think you did too. (laughs) Now I'm back in the club, you guys. I know. 
So thankfully, we did ship his desk over here to the Texas. And so I am setting up homeschool again, which is fabulous. And you guys know what that means. My tennis game, I'm going to have to be put on hold. Oh, what a what a drag. <laughs> I mean, how worse could 2020 get? The Tabs tennis is on hold again. Oh, I mean, it could get much worse, I'm sure. But I'm just saying. Why don't you just pop up a little tent or something next to the court, throw him in there. Yeah. So I was thinking that, but they have zoom. It's like an all day zoom session. So he can't be sitting on the tennis court with his teacher there, you know? Yeah. They really got you by the balls. Yeah, they really do. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) You're so funny. I know, right? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. So I'm sure since we're in the holiday cheer, you have a really cheerful case for us this week. Oh, could not be more of a downer, but we like it that way, kind of, right? You know, I actually did play tennis today because my husband stayed home from work and watched the kiddo for me and the girls. I left. They were all going to lunch and I left because I had to see you, Gretchy. Oh, thank you. I'm so. (laughs) So I missed the ladies luncheon. They said, well, what case are you doing today? And I kind of didn't want to tell him because I kind of know, I don't really know everything about this case, obviously, but I know a little bit about it and I know it's a downer. So I didn't want to tell him. I was like, this one's not, I mean, it's kind of sad. Just a precursor guys. Yeah. It's actually from our hometown. What up? Ventura. Homies. Yeah. Mobile homies. Should we get to it? (laughs) We should. Okay. All right. Okay, Tabby, today I am going to tell you about a case, like I just said, that hits close to home, real close to home. Literally, it's a Ventura crime, which is our hometown. It took place in 1992 when I was just a freshman in high school. I'm sure you were like still in diapers. I was. Yeah. Not. (laughs) Just out of them. Being like a freshman in high school, it's not surprising that when my friend Jenny brought it to my attention, Jenny, someone's, I've actually been friends with longer than you, Tab. Can you there believe it? There is nobody like that. Yeah, there is. Oh. There's a couple. Uh-huh. Okay. Thanks, Jenny. Yeah, thanks, Jenny. Anyways, I didn't remember anything about it. I mean, 92, no social media. Yeah. Right. The thing is, I don't know anything about it. And as I dug in, I recognized the names of people involved. Through social media, I found that I have mutual friends of both the victim's family and the perpetrator. And that was pretty chilling. Alarming. Yeah. 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 And so do you. So (laughs) just that's why Tab kind of knows a little bit about this. So just a heads up, I'm going to change the names with the exception of those who are in prison or no longer with us. Okay. Got it. So let me tell you about Katrina, which I love that name, right? I think that was one of my like top 10 names when I was like a little girl. It was? Yeah, it was. Katrina. Yeah, Katrina. Okay. It is a really cute name. Okay. She was a bright young lady with beautiful red hair. 
She attended high school at the private Catholic high school in Ventura, St. Bonaventure. St. Bonnie. Yeah, that's what we all call it. Mm -hmm. And then she transferred to the high school I attended, Ventura High. Katrina was six years old. Wait, in 92? No. Oh, before you. She was 20 years old in 1992. Okay. Okay. So do the math. Katrina was six years older than me, so she must have been in high school at the same time as my sister. Uh, My sister doesn't remember her. I checked. Okay. Her father describes her as having a brilliant, dry sense of humor, being energetic, sweet, and loving, like lots of us, and especially those of us from Ventura. She met a scumbag. Okay. For those of you that aren't familiar, there is a dense population of scumbags in Ventura. So you're highly likely to hook up with one if you go up there. Okay. This is, we, we both did. Yeah, we both did for sure. Multiple. Multiple. Yeah. Okay. The scumbag that Katrina met was extra scummy. He started a white power gang named the Skinhead Dogs. Okay. Okay. At that point in time, there was a lot of gang activity in our hometown. I can only speak of my experience and tell you that for me growing up there, when I went to high school parties, everything was as expected, but a bunch of drunk kids, you know, whatever. But Mm -hmm. sometimes scary looking dudes walked in like they owned the place and everyone knew just to be cool because all hell would break loose if anyone mouthed off to them. That's right. So sadly, we were all kind of complicit in them being able to get away with crimes via intimidation. Okay. So I don't know why a girl that seemed like she had everything in the world going for her started hanging around the scumbag founder of the skinhead dogs named Max, but I never read anywhere that she had shared his hate-filled beliefs. And I am imagining maybe she was just facing some teenage angst and rebellion and he was there. I mean, I don't know. But I do know that for me, a couple years behind her, she was six years older than me. Okay. It wasn't uncommon to see girls that had their whole lives ahead of them get caught up with that scene. Some made it out. I think that they just wanted to party and drink at the time, and they didn't have a real awareness because they were so young about what these guys were really about. For me, I don't think I thought it was as crazy as it was until I moved away and grew up, but not everyone I knew moved away and got the same perspective, Mm -hmm. sadly. I mean, I think we still know some crazy people. So, um... One of Max's friends was Tim, and Katrina fell hard for him, okay? Like, first love hard. So much so that when he joined the military and was stationed in Germany, and she was just 16, after begging and pleading, her parents allowed her to go be with him. Wow. Yeah. All the way in Germany? All the way in Germany. Yeah, I. this does sound like an interesting choice in parenting. But in their defense, they thought maybe she will go there, get a taste of reality, 
and realize how good she has it here in overcast, stinky Ventura. Um, (laughs) There's a mushroom farm there. It makes it stink real bad all the time. Okay. Versus freezing cold, but beautiful Germany. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she'll put all this, you know, bad boy infatuation shit behind her. And actually they were right. Okay, she came home in six months and got her GED and kind of had a plan. Okay, I like that. Yeah. So in 1990, her parents moved to Los Angeles and she went with them. She started attending Santa Monica City College where she was pursuing her dream of being a professional photographer. Mm -hmm. And she got a job at somewhere I love to go, Jerry's Deli. Is oh. there still, are they still open? I've only been to the one in Studio City, actually. Uh, the one in Woodland Hills closed down. And then there was one, I think, next to Cedar sinai And that closed down, too. So I don't know if there's any open still. It's a drag. I love a good New York deli, right? Yeah. So it seemed like the rough crowd that she once hung out with in Ventura was kind of in the rearview mirror. But not really. For reasons I'm not clear about, she started writing letters to another Skinhead Dogs member named Justin Miriam. The beginning of their correspondence was just friendly. They wrote back and forth about mutual friends and her on and off relationship with Tim. Justin asked her to set him up with one of her friends when he gets out. Oh, wait, he, she was writing him in jail. Yeah, she was just writing him in jail. Okay. It's because I was wondering. And they were just friends. Okay. Okay. I have a really hard time with these letters, which, because they got like exponentially more vile and creepy over time. With him or her? Him. Okay. Okay. Especially when at the point where Trina moved to LA and Justin now considered Tim out of the picture. Okay. Okay. They're hateful, racist, homophobic, and too disturbing to repeat. But, I mean, I will just tell you that it involves a lot of what he wants to do with his strong, Aryan, extremely creamy sperm. And I'll just, like, leave it at that. Okay? Ew. Yeah. Okay. Extra gross. Okay. So I can only speculate on why she continued to correspond with him because it really doesn't make any sense. She did not seem like one of these hardcore skinhead girls that would actually think this crap was hot at all. In the letters, Justin talks about a night before he was locked up, obviously, where she gave him a foot rub in a jacuzzi. So, I mean, I guess it's possible when there was a time that she found something actually, she must have found something likable about him. At one point, and that's why she was writing him, but I still don't get it. Mm-hmm. If I'm just speculating on this whole part of this story, I would say she was still hung up on Tim. He was her first love, and she hadn't gotten over it, and she was, like, in a new town, too young to go to the bars, bored. Mm-hmm. She's 20 years old, and maybe her writing Justin who was a friend of Tim's, made her feel connected to him. I mean, 
Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. Otherwise, I just don't. But that's just my speculation. Okay. Okay. And the whole thing about writing someone that is locked up is intriguing. I mean, we see we see it all the time. These women who become totally desensitized to the violent crimes these men commit because they develop a pen pal relationship with them and they kind of fall for the undivided attention like only a man in prison can give you. Well, I think you also, you've got these women that want to help people and they feel like they could change somebody. And if only they could think this way and I can help them think this way. And Oh, I think that is totally part of it. Mm -hmm. I think also, I mean, I hear women complain, and I am guilty of complaining about this too, is that my husband doesn't listen to me. I mean, I'm always like, thank your lucky stars. I talk to Tabitha every day because I would go crazy if no one listened to like the daily minutia about my shit. He would have to hear it all. I think it must be really attractive to a girl writing a guy who's in prison. He has nothing better to do than hear about, you know, that sale at the Ross Dress for Less or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, they've got to kind of come up with things to talk about. So they're real into you. OK, like I was saying, people easily become desensitized through this whole pen pal thing to these violent crimes. You got to be real careful. Because while I'm all for prison reform, there is a percentage of criminals that reform is just not possible. Mm -hmm. And taking a look at Justin's history, he had all the signs of a violent sociopath, even from a young age. A psychologist at the California Youth Authority facility wrote about the dangers Justin posed without extensive psychological help. When Justin and Katrina first began writing, he was at CYA, but he was transferred to Kokoran State Prison because he assaulted a guard. I mean, that's that's extra, okay? Yeah. I imagine that prison environment didn't do anything to mellow him, and his mental issues additionally are not helped by his mommy issues. I will tell you more about his mom in a minute, but just know that she's the kind of mother that thinks that her child can do no wrong, even when it gets them arrested. So PSA, kids need consequences. You need to like nip that shit in the butt, okay? Yeah. So the letters back and forth continued, but at some point before the summer of 1992, Katrina thought Justin was just getting too weird. I don't know what pushed her over the edge, but his letters were getting more aggressive, asking about why she was writing him. He didn't think that she was actually interested in him because she seemed disgusted Or he thought maybe she's just playing hard to get, but either way, he was real mad about it. According to a friend of hers, she asked him to stop writing her and calling, but he didn't. In fact, after he was released, he started hitting up Katrina extra. Like, he's still writing her letters, and they were living in the same town. He just kept it up, okay? I thought she was in L.A. Oh, well, yeah, she's in L.A., but, you know. Yeah. So Katrina thought she could take care of this if she went to his house where he lived in Ventura with his mother and sister and had a face to face. So she did that. 
According to her friend, who says she was waiting for Katrina outside Justin's house in Katrina's truck, was that Katrina had come out of the house with red marks around her neck. She was sure that Justin had choked her, and she said that Justin had gotten angry and attacked her, and she was able to get away from him by using the bathroom and escaping out the window. She also told her mother, Katrina, okay, she told her mother about this incident a slightly different version, but what she has in common with this is she told both her mom and her friend about Justin's mom, Bev, her name is Beverly, mm-hmm. walked in and had seen him attacking her and did nothing, said nothing, just walked out. Gross, right? Yeah. Okay. So on the night of Thanksgiving 1992, Katrina left her parents' house and then told them that she was going to go see a photographer friend of hers that they approved of in Santa Barbara. You can imagine her parents did not approve of her old friends in Ventura, especially after she had told her mother about the incident at Justin's home, you know? Right. Right? So that's probably why Katrina lied about where she was really headed to that night, which was a party at her old friend, Max's house. Mm. Okay. Max, the guy who she met Tim through, who was now. Yes. Max is friends with the Justin also, right? Yeah. Okay. Max is now married to a woman named May that Katrina was also friends with. The night, that night, the party is described as a bunch of skinheads drinking heavily and doing meth. Max says he warned Justin that Katrina, like both of them knew the other person was going to be there at the party. Mm-hmm. He warned Justin that Katrina was coming to the party because he said that he knew about the relationship between them. And what he thought was that Justin was pissed off that Katrina had led him on while he was locked up. Okay? So I could see that. Yeah. I think she wasn't meaning to, but he was taking it that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think she just wanted to keep herself maybe still attached to that scene because she was still hung up on this guy, Tim, and he's like in Germany and she wants it like to get back to him. You know, maybe I'm hanging out with her. Maybe she still wants him to be jealous or something, you know, or she liked the attention. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever wrote anybody in jail? No, I have gone to visit someone in jail, though. I wrote somebody in jail. I had a friend in high school and when we, I think he went to jail either when we were seniors or right out of high, it must've been when we were senior year. And I wrote him also, I don't really know why I did, but it was one of those things. Like, I don't know, like I liked getting the letters. So I just feel like that's what she liked to do. Like she liked receiving mail. People like receiving letters in the mail. Oh, I know this is true. I mean, I had friends in high school who wrote guys in jail. And I remember, I remember seeing the letters, like they get other people to like draw on them all of a sudden yes, in jail, yeah. you become like an artiste, you know, I ha- I kept and it. It was like a thing. Like we thought yeah. they were cool. Ish. No, but what the hell were we thinking? That is so. No, <laughs> no it's so. Yeah. I can't even imagine my kids thinking that anybody in jail is cool. Right. 
Okay. Just saying. Just saying. Okay. So back to the party. People later interviewed that were there describe Katrina as getting mouthy as she got more intoxicated that night. At one point, there was an incident where Justin pinned her down in a room with other skinheads surrounding them, but nobody did anything to help Katrina until Max stepped in and broke it up. After that happened, Justin stayed away from her for a while, but like he was stewing, just saying like, I'm going to get that bitch. And around 3 a.m., Justin told a 16-year-old kid named Dave to choke Katrina while he held her down. This time, when Max saw what was happening, it turned into a brawl. Katrina slapped Dave. Max broke a bottle over Justin's forehead. Mm. Things didn't settle down until they almost broke a large tank that had a snake in it, which, like, of course, these people had a big snake. (laughs) Not to be judgy, but yeah. Scumbags like snakes. Just saying. Okay. Snakes like my backyard. We had another rattlesnake the other day when I came on Thanksgiving. In California. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Good. Yeah. They think we're scumbags. That's a a pro for, yeah. (laughs) That's a pro for uh, Texas for sure. Listen, 100%. Yeah. Okay, so Max's wife, May, was over it, obviously, you know, seeing how trashed her house was. It's like three o'clock in the morning. She offered to take Dave, Justin, and another guy named Gavin to Justin's house just to get them out of there. Seems Mm -hmm. like she just wanted the night to end. So she dropped them off at Justin's house and came back to find Katrina desperately wanting to go to Justin's house to... What? What is wrong with her? Katrina told May that he had called while she was on the road and they needed to see each other. May argued with her and begged Katrina to stay, but she finally gave in and threw Katrina's keys at her. And so she left. I mean, this is kind of, I mean, this is a familiar situation to me. I had a friend who I could would watch horrible things happen to and beg her Mm. to stay with me. And at some point you just say, fine, go. Yeah. I think I I mean, it's, it sucks. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about these girls, but something triggers this like feeling like they get so heated emotionally and then they want the person that initiated it to be the person that, I don't know, makes it better. It's 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 a cycle. Yeah. It's very frustrating. So Katrina went over to Justin's house. Okay. Mm-hmm. According to Dave and Gavin, her and Justin talked for a while and then argued for a while. And then Katrina got in bed with Justin. And like, they're all in the same room. Okay. And Justin told her to give him head. And she said no. But they say she did it after he demanded it. Then he tore off her clothes and raped her vaginally while both Gavin and Dave were there. Dave says it went on for hours with her begging him to stop and just let her go to the bathroom. 
At that point, Gavin says he spoke up and said something like, dude, come on, just let her go to the bathroom. But Justin said, no way, she'll she'll sneak out. Remember, she'd done that before. He finally finished and let her get dressed. Then he pulled out a knife and stabbed her in the neck. She begged, While these guys were watching? Yes. She begged for her life, and he said, it's too late, you'll tell. Gavin and Dave tried to leave. Like, whoa. But Justin threatened to get them both, too, if they tried. Remember, Dave is only 16, okay? Mm-hmm. He tried to get them to finish killing Katrina, but they refused. So he took a crescent wrench and knocked her unconscious and then stabbed her again fatally in the jugular. Like, pure evil. So around 8 a.m., Justin decided to wrap her body in a blanket and drag her down the stairs, leaving a trail of blood. And his mother saw them on their way to load Katrina's body into her truck. She said nothing. Justin just, yeah, Justin just looked at the guys and said, don't worry, she'll be cool. About the mom. Yeah, about the mom. Okay. So cool is not what I would describe Bev as, but yeah, I mean, I I guess she was in Justin's eyes because as soon as they left, she got to work cleaning up all that blood. Shut the front door. Yeah, she did. And when Justin's sister woke up, she just told her that Justin had been in a fight. And uh, apparently that was like pretty standard, right? So she just took her word for it and was like, and that's why there was blood everywhere. (sighs) Okay. So they picked up another truck and headed to an area in Silmar, California. That's Mm -hmm. about 50 miles from Ventura. Yeah. They headed to this area called Sunset Farms off the 118 to ditch the body. They stuffed her in a drainage pipe, and then they abandoned her truck in the Angel's Crest Forest and threw the murder weapon in a dumpster. While they were doing all this, Justin called Max and asked if Katrina was still there. Okay, so, like, he doesn't want Justin to know what happened. Mm -hmm. Max thought, this all sounds weird and suspicious, so he had his wife, May, call Katrina's house and ask her mom if she was still there. Katrina's mom knew something was very wrong when she got the phone call from May. She was not supposed to have been with her Ventura friends. She didn't even think that she talked to them at all anymore, and now... She's missing? Yeah. Her mother started calling around, and someone told her on one of those phone calls she should ask Justin. I'm sure her mother's heart just sank knowing Katrina's history with him. So now she's real panicked. And within hours, she received a phone call from the sheriff's department about Katrina's abandoned truck. It didn't take them long to find it, okay? So Mm -hmm. Katrina's mother then called Max and told him about the truck being found and pressed him about whether he had seen Katrina recently, but he said no. He knows at this point something bad has happened, 
So he starts making phone calls to people at the party and telling them to say that she was like, the story is Katrina was never here last night, right? But when Justin finally got home, he didn't get that memo, okay, about like the new story. Katrina's mother called his house and he spoke to her on the phone and said the last time he saw her was at Max's house the night before, okay? Mm -hmm. So then Katrina's mom calls Max back and says... Like, what the fuck? Okay. Right. And then he admits, yeah, okay, she was she was here. So two days later, Ventura police officers knock on Justin's door. Bev answered the door, and she had rug cleaners there at the time. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bev. Yeah. She told them... They needed a warrant to come in. So at this point, police, they don't know what's happened. They're just trying to, like, piece it all Yeah, they're know, like, together. where is this girl? Yeah, whatever. They, they're trying to figure out who she was with. What did she do? Okay. So meanwhile, Gavin and Dave went back to the site where they had left the body and moved it somewhere else close by where they had dug a grave. Police went back to Justin's house again with a warrant and noted everything was real clean, okay? Mm -hmm. And they didn't find anything except a knife in Justin's room, which obviously wasn't the murder weapon, but it was enough to arrest him because it was in violation of his parole. But they still didn't know for sure that she had been there, just that she had been last seen leaving the party at Max's house. They didn't have enough cause to hold Justin, so he was free to go. That was in 1992. So there was a $10,000 reward for information, you know, regarding her disappearance. But it just it went for years without it seemed like it was going anywhere from an investigative point of view. But the streets were talking. OK, mm-hmm. he wasn't quiet about what had happened that night. People knew that he killed her, but they were terrified of him. There are two women that have told police similar stories about how he repeatedly broke into their homes for months and violently raped them to the point I cannot believe that they did not kill themselves. Feeling that trapped and hostage to like a violent monster, just being in your home, not knowing if he's going to show up night after night. At some point, I mean, can you believe it? I mean, yeah, I can't believe it, but. Too scared to even to report it. Right. I can't say anything. Yeah. Telling you. Yeah. There was just a lot of intimidation going on. Okay, so at some point around. 1996 or 97, my friend, Jenny, says someone she knew stopped by her house with Justin. And she already knew who Justin was because she was friends with Katrina's ex, Tim. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he had told her to stay away from Justin. Tim apparently, like, knew the story. He knew. Yeah, he he didn't want her to be the next Katrina. Yeah. So she told this friend of hers and Justin to leave. And Justin called her a bitch and told her, I've killed a bitch before and you're no exception. Oh. 
she said she could just tell that he had no soul and he left, but she thought even the person who had brought him over to her house was scared of him. And let me tell you, my friend and her sister, they were not scared of anyone. They were tough girls. Okay. Yeah, I could tell you stories, like but they would, they would, <laughs> they would kill me. Okay. But just know, like they were real tough. I try to stay away from any of that going on in Ventura. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I would have, if I would have heard this guy say that, I would have like peed my pants in yeah. the, in the, in the least. Okay. I don't know if I would have been tough enough to just be like, you have to leave like she did. Yeah. So in 1998, Justin is still on the streets and the poor Montgomery family still has no answers because Katrina's body has not been found. Then a 17-year-old girl named Nicole Hendricks that had been hanging around with the skinhead dogs went missing. What's her name? Nicole Hendricks. I was 17 at that time. Oh, okay. So do you remember this at all? Yeah. Let's see if we can jog your memory. Okay. So sadly, what happened to her was she was hanging out with a couple of members when they were all arrested. But because they were all held until they could get bonded out and Nicole was released right away to her mother because she was a minor, they thought she was a rat. They thought she was lying. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when they all got out, Two girls held her down while a guy slit her throat. (gasps) And then they put her body in a trash can with cement. But it took them a couple of days to do that because they were busy doing heroin. And then after they put her in the cement, they did some more heroin and went and got themselves arrested again for assaulting a black man just because he was black. And they still hadn't ditched the body of Nicole Hendricks. So they made some phone calls to some other, you know, winners Mm -hmm. who drove the body up to Pine Mountain and dumped it. Apparently, they didn't get the cement recipe quite right. So it never really hardened, but Nicole's body would not be found for another six months. Mm. So how this is all intertwined is that there came a point when so many members of this gang were locked up or awaiting charges, including Justin. By this time, he had had a crazy standoff with police because they had tried to pull him over on a bicycle for not having a light And he led them on a chase. And then when they apprehended him, they found a gun on him. Okay. So all these gang members are in jail or awaiting charges. And you know what happens under these circumstances is all that ride or die shit for your brother goes away. And they all start talking to save their own asses. Okay. Mm -hmm. The big break is when one of the girls that held Nicole down told police everything she knew about what had happened to Katrina. Months later, she would also tell them about Nicole and her role in her death, and she agreed to wear a wire to confront other members. She, of course, wanted immunity, which she didn't get, 
But at the time, they told her, like, yeah, we'll think about it. She was eventually sentenced to nine years for her role in that murder. Wow. Now, that girl wasn't the only person who wore a wire. Dave's girlfriend, the 16-year-old guy, wore a wire, too. And they also placed members in wired cells together. And... On the outside, they were surveilling, like, the whole crowd. So everyone was feeling the heat, you know, at this point. Throughout all this time, though, Justin never directly said that he killed Katrina. But Gavin and Dave both gave corroborating stories to the police. So, you know. And he said stuff like, you know, don't talk, blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, he basically admitted he just didn't directly say it. Yeah. So Gavin and Dave both took pleas in exchange for their testimony. And Dave was sentenced to three years. And Gavin was let go. Also, Dave took the police to where he believed that they had buried Katrina. But sadly, by this time, it had been developed into an industrial area and her body has still not been recovered. Oh. Sucks. So, at Justin's trial, nine years after Katrina's murder, he proclaimed his innocence. He said he was innocent. Oh, yeah. He's like, I didn't do it. I lost her, too. I mean, but it's like open and shut. I mean, there were so many witnesses, you know, whatever. His mom, Bev, took the stand and lied. She also had a trial of her own for witness tampering and intimidation. You know, there was like years leading, you know, before it like went to trial. I mean, she pulled some crazy shit and she was found guilty of that and sentenced to serve five months. Okay. Okay. You have heard me talk about my language learning skills with Rosetta Stone, and I'm telling you, I'm getting really good at it. I learned a little bit of Japanese before we went to Japan last year, and I really love the French language, so I'm learning French at the moment. Bonjour, bonsoir. I'm even getting a little bit of the accent down. Not very good, but I'm I'm getting there. And with Rosetta Stone, it makes it so easy. I download it on my phone. I learn it in the car. It is awesome. You can do it on your desktop, wherever you find it convenient. They are there for you. And they have 25 languages, you guys, that you can use. And right now they are giving a lifetime membership for 50% off. So you can learn as many languages as you want for your entire life, which is amazing. And the best part is, It starts off, you know, with just words and then phrases and then sentences, and then you should be able to have a conversation with somebody that also knows the language, which is, you know, my entire goal. So don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now. Seriously, get started before your summer vacay. Our listeners get 50% off the lifetime membership. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem it today at rosettastone.com forward slash today. Listeners, today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. Are you busy? Well, of course you are. And if you're like me, that means you put off investing because maybe it just doesn't seem urgent or it's intimidating. 
Enter Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just spare change. Acorns recommends an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. What I love about Acorns is that it gives you the tool to give your money a chance to grow. You don't have to start with a lot. Just start. Believe me, it feels great. Head to acorns.com slash clink or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Client testimonial may not be representative of all clients. Tier one compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash clink. Investing involves risk, including the loss of the principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors, LLC, Acorns is an SEC registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorns Securities, LLC, member FINRA slash SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. There was a point where Justin was given the chance to address the court before his sentencing, and he stood up in court and gave the Nazi salute. Shut up. Can you imagine? The courtroom gasps. Okay. Whatever. He so he did that. Then he said he didn't do it. Blah, blah, blah. That's not important. Okay. What is important to hear is Katrina's father's statement. I mean, I think it kind of ties all of it together. So I'm going to read you part of what he said. He told the court that day, I wanted to tell you today that what you have seen of my daughter in the trial is such a small piece of her life. I don't know of any incident in her life where I was present where she was ever unkind or rude to anyone. That doesn't mean she didn't tear people apart with her cutting sense of humor and she thought she was smarter than everyone. And in the end, I believe that may have been her undoing. It fostered a sense of invincibility on her part, which in my mind is the only explanation why she made the poor choices she did on that fateful evening. Mm. Sad. But it does, you know, sadly make sense, too. So we'll tell you she is sorely missed by her siblings who seem like, like really kind people. I mean... Like, like extra good ones. Okay. Yeah. Personally, I can only conclude that she would have found her way to a decent, you know, genuine life path if hers hadn't been taken and she was given the chance. I'm sorry. I don't have more to say about the other victim, Nicole, but, you know, she was a minor. And, oh yeah, you know, I just, I, I couldn't find that much. Did so, you know where she went to high school or anything? No. No. So she went to Ventura, but because it seemed like people from Ventura High hung around more. No, I mean, both of our our high schools had involvement. Gang activity involvement at that time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what to say about that. Justin's final fate was he was found guilty of murder and sentenced to death, which, like, I'm good with. Okay. What I am too. not good with, which I found unbelievable, was he was never found guilty of rape. 
because they couldn't really probably. There were two witnesses in the room that testified against him that said he raped her for hours. And there's all these women that have come forward and said that he raped them repeatedly. I don't know why the jury, he was charged with rape, but not found guilty. But they just came back. Oh, they probably just, I mean, you know how sometimes jurors are just like, we'll give them this. Yeah, I think I hopefully we've come a long way. I well, I hope so, too. I mean, it's been a while. So hopefully, yes. But I bet you the jurors also on that trial were pretty intimidated. Oh, I yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a, a hard one to go to. Oh, 100% with all of the witness tampering and mm-hmm. corruption. Yeah. And, you know. I'm not going to get into it, but Ventura has a little history of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there was a Dateline apparently did an episode about this case. I could not find it, but they uh, did it in 2002. If anybody knows how to get a hold of a 2002 Dateline episode, I would love yeah. to uh, watch it. Watch it. Yeah. Okay. Where I got a lot of information was old newspaper articles, and there was a book written about it called Dangerous Attraction, and it was so specific. And so I was like, who is this guy that wrote this book that was not intimidated by these people? His name is Ron Scott, and he wrote 20 true crime books. He's dead now, but he was like 75 when he wrote it. Wow. Yeah, so I mean... And he picked Ventura out of all these... And he picked, yeah, and he picked this one. Yeah. Okay, so Justin's, when you're sentenced to death, you get all these automatic appeals, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. his appeals ran out in 2014. So he's like, got no more chances. Okay. Okay. So he is currently on death row in San Quentin. Mm-hmm. I just he, is that his... with uh, Scott Peterson. That's right. I just checked. (laughs) Yes, I just checked Justin's inmate status. He's still there. I don't think they're hanging out anymore, though, because I think maybe since Scott, Scott's still serving his sentence, but I think he was moved off death row. I think so, too. So he might gotten away from Justin. I listen, I have a, a thought about this. I think that Scott was probably real scared of Justin, the monster. And I think, have you seen a recent picture of Scott? He is so skinny. Now. Oh, yeah, he is really skinny. Yeah. And I am thinking because, you know, prison food is like highly caloric. <laughs> I think that it's all those Justin sightings probably gave him like diarrhea. And anxiety made him lose his appetite. Dude, it would give me anxiety and lose my appetite. Yes. Oh, I would be so skinny if I was in prison. (laughs) Oh, God. That is a sad story. I hate that story, actually. I know. Everything about it. I know. The next one I'm going to do is going to be like a fraud or prostitution or something. (laughs) More like Zumba. Yeah. Naked Zoom. Anybody, anybody got anything like that? Throw it my way this weekend. <laughs> well, thank you for bringing us right down memory lane. Yeah. Fun. You know, I think one time we got some shit about saying Ventura, like they had probably driven through town and they thought like, why do they always talk shit about Ventura? It's such a lovely place. 
There are lovely parts to Ventura. There are. And it actually seemed to me like Katrina's parents were trying to get the best for her because going to St. Bonnie is really, I mean, that's the private school there that, you know, I mean, the good kids went there. Oh, yeah. She went to actually elementary school at St. Thomas of Aquinas in um, Ojai. That's a like uh-huh. a great school. Yeah. Uh, listen, there's a lot of people we love there. There's a lot of things about Ventura we love, but I think Lots that still. we I think that we have the right to talk shit about it because we also lived through shit like this. Yes, we did. Yeah. So take there that. Is Eat a some... dick if you want to talk shit to us <laughs> about this. There are some crazy uh, stories that yeah shit that we've been through that we have not told, but yeah, because also we're scared. Yeah, we're scared. I mean, it's probably triggered Uh some of our fascination with crime. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Anyways, you guys, if you want more from us, then please join our Patreon. It's at patreon.com forward slash housewives of true crime. You can get extra content every single week there. And if you want to join our Facebook group, We have two Facebooks, just a general Housewives of True Crime. And then we have a group where we participate. It's called Housewives of True Crime Group. And then we also have dieting, exercise, whatever you want to call it, group. It's called Housewives of True Crime Keto or whatever the fuck works, something like that. I'm sure you guys can find it if you search for it. And our friend Lisa over there, she's very good at giving us all the tips on all the good food and where to buy them. She's our number one. Totally. What are you drinking, Gretchy? I've been drinking coffee all day. That's no fun. That's a buzzkill. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to get buzzed later on tonight. Me too. I am not that I haven't every night. I've been, oh, I've been watching the undoing. Did you start that yet? No, I didn't. I'm I'm going to start though You're this weekend. such a loser. since all the activities. I'm going to have to go to the store because you know what? Got the white claw. But no one wants to drink the watermelon. If anybody wants to come over and I feel like putting the watermelon wine claws like on my porch. Is it good? No, it's no? not good. It's the worst flavor, oh. but it comes in the in the variety pack. Oh, okay. That's what we're down to now. So I got to go okay. restock. Okay. Okay. Okay, guys. Let me give you a couple shout outs to the people that gave us five stars. If you guys want to... Give us a little review on Apple. That'd be awesome. And then, oh, everybody's been posting their Spotify listens, which is so fun. I think Spotify must be having a thing on like who you listen to most and your most binged podcast. And that's been fun to see um, on Instagram. Okay. So anyhow, on Apple, we've got Viber 1598428398 or something like that. She says, love, great podcast, funny and entertaining, entertaining. Melissa, my new favorite. Thank you so much. Elizabeth. Cute. That's a cute name, but obviously it's Elizabeth. I think that she meant to give us a five star, but she must have accidentally done four because she said she loves these ladies. I feel like she's hanging out with her best friend. So Elizabeth, if you want to just keep like, tapping. Yeah. You could re you could Go redo back. it. It's no problem. Mo knows 11. Interesting and funny. Thank you. Oh, and she also says there's a Coke Zero shortage in Chicago. Damn it. It's everywhere. If 
finally got my Coke Zero. And now, you know what? I'm the crazy person that keeps thinking that Coke Zero is going to go out again. And so every time I go to the store, I buy it. (laughs) 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 So now I have so much Coke Zero, I don't know what to do with it. I just need some vodka to add to it. Amy, she says, we're the realest ladies. Well, we think so. Joe Harden, also four stars. But, you know, I'm okay with the four star, but five stars better. But Joe... The reason we got a four star is because this person says that dentists can do Botox. Speaking of Dr. Death, because they're specialists in head and neck and oral surgeons can do reconstructive surgeries because dentists are doctors. Okay. Just saying, Joe, I like to go to the dentist for my teeth. I don't like to go to the dentist for my wrinkles in my forehead. Just saying. Okay. Is that too much to say? No, I think that I like people who just specialize in one in one area, right? I think a dentist is probably, listen, I'm sure a dentist is better to go to than some of the Groupon nurses that I went to to get Botox. <laughs> 100%. Before I found the magical doctor I go to now, okay? I looked like I was surprised on one side of my face, okay? <laughs> so... I'm with that. Listen, Joe, though, let me tell you, my grandma had a dentist do eyelid surgery on her. Is that? <laughs> How did that, how'd that go? <laughs> she just called and was like, can you pick me up? He told me he could just lift my eyes. So can't see. He did a good job. Listen, and he did a good great, job. Saved a buttload okay. of money. Well, shit. Okay. Joe's right. Joe's right. Maybe we underestimate the power of dentists. Yeah, I'm thinking so now. One, two, three, Cagney. I think I already did this one, but love the podcast. Rasoli, awesome sauce. So I think that's it for this week. Thank you guys. That was a lot of great reviews. And I think that's all for today. Clink, clink. Clink, clink.